Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. We have a great podcast today for you guys, um, but we have a few housekeeping items. That's right, for all our loyal followers and listeners and everything else. Um, first of all, I just need to express my absolute appreciation for everybody. The book has hit bestseller again. Um, it is the number one self-storage um, book on the market. Uh, and that's exciting because I, I did not know we had so many self-storage nerds out there. So you know what, guys? Hey, we're all in good company. And uh, I hope just like me, you guys get totally excited about self-storage and thank you for your support appreciation. Also, I found out something else that was kind of interesting. Um, we are just a little backlogged with calls. And uh, by a little, <laughs> I mean hundreds. A little bit, uh, yeah. So I, I did not even close to expect um, the reaction. Uh, so you guys, first of all, thank you. And I am working to get to everybody. That is actually a very high priority of mine, but we will be keeping it to the 15 minute calls. Um, uh, that's got to happen. And I wanted to let you know too, we have to be a little more sticklers on who we're having calls. So the, the special, we, we've been running these specials and things like if you give us a review on Amazon and the podcast, um, then we'll have the call. We do need to have both of those for the call. But if also, if you guys have deals, you want to work with us, um, we have our, for Cedar Creek Wealth is our new company that, that we've started for actually doing these deals, which we have multiple deals coming up, including what are we, how many do we have under contract now for the conversions? We got three under contract. Yeah, I think three and then a four build. Yep. The and fourth a fourth and we're out. doing a build and then we're, we've got other conversions in the pipeline. Um, so if you guys are interested in that, or you guys want to bring us deals, we do, if you guys bring us deals, we do partner with you on them. Um, those will go directly to the, our head of investors and the head of, um, our deal flow, um, because we're trying to really prioritize this and we don't want to miss opportunities. We don't want you to miss opportunities. That's, um, obviously this is very, very important. Um, so if you send them in, we just have a new way. If you've already had put your information in to receive a call, but you say, Hey, listen, this is about a deal, or I'd like to be an investor in a deal. Um, just message back. We're trying to get that organized. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate your patience, everybody with me. Once again, I, I am not a, I, I'm not a marketer. I'm not a, you know, I, I'm figuring out this stuff as go. I am simply a storage guy. So I really want to make sure that we talk with you guys. We reach out, um, and we're doing it timely. Um, yeah, I, I've loved it. It's, it's been awesome. And I really do appreciate the support you all give us in our community, 
what you've done for the book. Um, it means the world. And because of that, we are going to continue. We've received tons of things back from you guys um, with suggestions and what you want to know that helps us build this podcast in this community and all this information we want to get to everybody for free. Um, but one of the other things I did want to mention, I've, I do a lot and it actually can be really easy for me. If you go follow me on Instagram and, and shoot me a message, um, I try to send just video messages back to you guys. So if you got a question, something like that, that's way easier for me to do. And it's way more timely. So if it is a little more immediate. So if you do have something that you think is prioritized, once again, please reach out, say, Hey, I have a deal. Hey, I would like to invest with you. We will get you and get you the right people. If it's for the 15 minute call, and you're saying, I left a great review on Amazon and a great review on your podcast. Uh, make sure you've done both of those things and you, you show it to us. And then um, just, uh, I just got to be patient with me. Give me a little time. <laughs> I, I'm doing hours of calls a week. So, um, which once again, I, I don't want anyone to think that this is complaining. I absolutely love it. We're just trying to be organized about it because if anyone knows anything about me, I'm not organized, but I have a lot of help. And, uh, <laughs> so our team's really, really good. Um, uh, so also, you know, today we, we wanted to talk about and have a discussion. We, oh, exciting news. We have a podcast coming up that will be with one of the largest, um, development and building, um, storage, uh, companies. So in the next few weeks, they're coming on and we're doing a, an hour long special podcast, them and their team. And we're talking all about development and conversions. And we're really getting into the nitty gritty. Um, so this will be a very in-depth conversation um, that includes the GCs and uh, um, includes as well as the, you know, these are the people that actually source the material. They source the um, uh, uh, all of it. it it's, it's going to be m much, you know, it, it's one of those ones where I, I, we touch on the subjects. We want to talk about it. That is a really big subject. It's huge. There's it's a lot of huge. moving pieces for sure. Um, and there's a lot of unknowns, especially if you haven't gone through it. Um, whether you're talking costs, materials, I mean, locations, I mean, the, you know, replacement costs versus, you know, buying and, you know, yeah. rehabbing, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And, uh, you know, deciding to build is a huge choice. Um, that again, <clears throat> that massive lag between you know, building versus you know just buying existing. Yeah. Um, that's another huge calculation that obviously we've got to take into account because mm -hmm. um, you're looking at you know a year or two before you can actually open a you know ground up facility. Opportunity uh, cost. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be a really good podcast. And honestly, I don't even know how many storage facilities they've built oh, at this point. Geez. I mean, I hundreds, maybe even hundreds, maybe I, thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they're extremely knowledgeable. Um, going to be a good good podcast. So definitely keep your eyes open for it. Today, we did want to talk about, though, before we get dive super into this nitty gritty stuff on the building, I, I want to talk about something. So in, in my inner circle today, we were having this really good conversation with our members, which, um, you know, we've really tried to, as we build that out, it's one of those things where we're, we're bringing them deals as well as the ability to get deals done like money and stuff. And we were teaching them, we were talking about um, the markets and you know, with a bunch of the people, we feel that one of the largest trip ups into people getting started is understanding where to go in the markets. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but it never seems to get old. 
because everybody, this is so instrumental. And after the discussion we had today in the inner circle, I said, okay, we need to give a high level of this discussion. We spent a lot of time on it. Um, sometimes we're actually just underwriting facilities on there, but this was one that there was a lot of questions and it's a good one. It's one that we need to tackle. And I want to tackle here with you guys. Um, because there are themes to investing as we know, and this is, but not all themes are the same and they, and they don't match up precisely. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. So let me kind of give some examples and we, and we can talk about these examples because it seems like a lot of people have rules, but then there's always the exceptions to the rules. Like, well, I thought you said this market. Well, no, that's because of this price. And, you know, so there's, and you got to understand this and how I look at this, everybody is there is understanding markets and locations. There is a science and an art, and those two things need to be merged together. One of the general rules that I look at is I want to try to pick markets where those markets are going to help me in my endeavors. Now, I always say this and I, and, and I die by it. Um, you need to make markets. Um, you don't want markets to make you. Um, you or break need, you. Or break you. Yep. <laughs> you need to make deals. Um, you don't want to wait for deals. And I mean that by you need to be good that you're creating your own opportunity. Now, with that said, markets can break you. Um, and it, there are certain things that I can't fight against. No matter how awesome we are, I don't care if you're extra space. I don't care if you're a great operator. I don't care if you got all the money in the world. It just at some point, markets that are decelerating um, and have uh, market forces that you can't control, there's nothing you can do about it. And so that's always the first. That's always the thing that I look at. I need that market to be sustainable. I need that market to have a future that the revenues will be able to grow, that we can force valuation, that all the skills, everything that we're trying to do can help. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, then you need to avoid these markets or this area of the country. Now, hold your horses. Okay. We just hold your horses. We got to get through this whole thing before we start making assumptions. Um, let me give you some examples. Generally speaking, we know that there are mass migrations moving out of the Northeast and California um, that are flooding into the Southeast and the Northwest. Um, and a lot of these markets like Texas and um, North Carolina, um, Washington, Oregon, Idaho are literally exploding, um, which is kind of funny because a lot of people gave me crap because they think, oh, well, we should go there. And now with that said, you have to understand too, as in 2020, the self-storage almanac, Idaho hit the number one most square feet per person out of any state in the United States. So there's areas in Idaho that yes, Idaho's exploding with growth. Um, and yes, you know, Durham is exploding in growth in North Carolina, Nashville's exploding, Austin's exploding and everything. But two, some of those markets are the most overbuilt markets in the United States. We're talking 31 square feet per capita and in, in the air, the Boise area in some, some parts that's mind boggling. It's insane. That's like, I've never seen anything like that. And then you have areas in Texas and like Houston, 
that are the same thing. It's just the per capita is over 20 square feet per capita. Like it's just, you never saw that before. Now, before you say, oh, well, then I don't go to that area or I don't go to Houston. But at the same time, you move in and you got to realize though that also self-storage is hyper-local. So what I'm looking for is a merger between high demand and a decent market. I don't want exploding markets necessarily. I don't, we don't target them. It's not like I'm like, I have to be in this market. I do not do that. Like I have, I want to have a good deal and there's a lot of markets. So I'm, I'm going in the Midwest right now, which there's the area that we're going has huge upside. It's a huge turnaround, a great deal. We're going to absolutely kill it. It's the one we're doing with Cedar Creek uh, wealth where we took on or taking on investors that closes in three weeks. And uh, I could not be more excited about this deal. Um, and you're not seeing some of the macro trends that we see, but that area is still incomes are high and going up. People are moving there. It's a nice area. And to more importantly, the facility has a lot of upside potential and it was not being ran well and it's at the right price. So I have a good area a good market. Not a lot of people are looking there, which that's great. And I have uh, a good deal. Those things together make it. So I need a decent market, which really what I look at markets is you're just not decelerating. Okay. Falling incomes, falling population. I can't compete with that. You can't compete with that. Nobody can. You're, you're literally catching a falling knife. And uh, when you buy it, why do you think that it'll be worth more in 10 years, right? Is there something you can do fundamentally to that asset to make it worth more, more in 10 years? And there may be, right? But you have to realize you're going against a tide that in the long term, you're probably not going to win. Um, so I don't want to do anything in decelerating markets because um, I'm more counting on my pride. Well, and I'm just so good. Well, and again, just like how you started this podcast off, no matter how good you are, you're you're not going to force people to continue to live in those areas that are experiencing that decline. It's yep. people are leaving in droves from places like California, like you said, um, and you're not going to stop that. People are going to do what they're going to do, um, and you need to go where they're moving to in these yep. areas, like you said that. You know, you don't necessarily want to go to these places that are exploding, but there are, again, those pockets everywhere. Um, and again, just kind of like you brought up both during our call today on the Inner Circle um, and then here on the podcast where, you know, we do have an exploding market like the Boise area that we see here, but we still have a deal under contract yep. right now, right, yep. right in Boise. Uh, because of that microeconomic factor going on with storage, where, you know, we, as a whole, on average, we've got, you know, the 31, 32, you know, square feet per capita. But in this specific area, we've only got, what was it, eight, you said? Yeah, it's eight or seven. Yeah. yeah seven Which, and, and this is why it needs to be, so the vast majority of this entire market, we would never go into, like ever. We wouldn't even touch again. I mean, you got to realize we were buying assets like six years ago at 3 million that now to build here would cost you eight or nine. It's just stupid. Right. Um, and so it's, but then all of a sudden there's areas where they either won't let you build or whatnot. We're not competing and we're doing a conversion. Um, so we're in an area where nobody else can get, there's no way to build. Um, and so all of a sudden this opportunity pops up and we're like, well, 
look at that. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense in an area that we'd written off completely. And uh, so although you need to be aware that, yes, some markets are overbuilt, but you're, you do got to get in that hyper-local thing. So I, I don't ever just blanket write-off markets. The only time I blanket write-off markets is when they're decelerating. That's when I write them off. Um, even in overbuilt markets, you can still find gems. Now, unless you really understand that, you need to be very careful in overbuilt markets. So storage, the number one enemy to storage is self-storage. I've said it a million times. Self-storage is the greatest commercial asset class on earth. Um, it's so great that it's its own worst enemy. Other than that, it's the market. So things you can't control. If I can't control those things and they work against me, you just need to avoid it. Other than that, look at it. Look at all the deals in the area. Examine everything. If you're starting out, and, I, and if you're starting out and you don't have a lot of money, you haven't been in the real estate game. I say go to these outer markets of our markets that you may say be good, that are good, that are kind of they're they're sleepy markets. They're growing. You know, it's there's got some things going on. They're overlooked for the most part. You, it's, it's still amazing to me at the deals that we find. So to give you any idea, we brought uh, the inner circle uh, deal just with my, 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 <laughs> yeah, my good friend, uh, John Lindsay. And um, uh, he was on our podcast. I can't remember what episode that was. I'm, I'm looking up now. We don't have our episodes numbered. Yeah, um, That might be a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe we should be a little more organized. Once but again, yeah. I already put my disclaimer. <laughs> I am not that yeah, organized. Yeah. We're working on it. He was um, on a while ago. Fantastic episode. Fantastic dude. Yes. Um, incredible knowledgeable. Um, and what's the name of his company? Uh, Lindsay Self Storage Group. Lindsay Self Storage Group. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's John Lindsay's his last name. So uh, he's a good friend of mine. And he's in our um, inner circle. And he brought the group a, a deal at 20 square feet per capita. Or 20 square, uh, $20 a square foot. Sorry. And um, Almost doesn't even matter the market at these kind of prices. You know, it was that was shocking. I'm like, yeah. what? Um, and so, if you're in a decent market that's completely overlooked, that's not shrinking, and you you can find deals like that, because essentially this is what ha- had happened on the deal. Um, somebody had put a kiosk up and thought that that was going to automate it or something, and they walked away. And they, I guess, they just expected people to walk up and get locks or units or you know do it themselves. It's like a DIY service or self-storage. That's not really how it works. Um, and so they'd lost occupancy and they didn't have a, a great occupancy. They were low, low occupancy. The owners didn't want to turn around. They didn't know what to do with it. So they're selling it 20 bucks a square foot. Um, I'm like, that's an easy buy and cleanup. So we gave that to, to the group in the circle, but it's, you know, these deals are being overlooked. And um, when you start out, you don't need to jump into the fire where everybody's talking. Like, don't read in the Wall Street Journal and say, oh, I'm going to go there, right? Your, your, your greatest asset that you have is you can be more nimble. And I, and I say this all the time. Like, I'm not nearly as nimble as when we started out. It doesn't work for me. Um, we need to do 100, 150,000 square, you know, renovations and conversions and new build. And we need to buy 95,000, 80,000 square feet. Um, I'm not going to buy a 50,000 small facility in a market. Maybe I don't know um, because I, that's not a stage or ability that I have. Um, that is when I started, that's how I got started. So um, yes, there are markets that are overbuilt, uh, 
And there are also sleepy markets that you can go in. And this comes back down, everybody, to the science and the art. You need to know if it's overbuilt. You need to know if it's decelerating. But you also need the fu- to know the fundamentals of a value of a deal you're looking at. This is the same in all real estate, right? This is the nuts and bolts of being successful. This is the nuts and bolts of being successful. You know, I, uh, we, we buy businesses and one of the businesses that we've either bought or started up, it's the same thing. I'm looking at the market. I'm looking at the spread, the differential. I say, this is a strong market with high demand um, that's growing. It has this area. And then when I'm looking at the business to purchase or to start up, I say there is um, either this is a low cost or a low valuation because they're valued on multiples or the cost of entry is low. Um, the upside's high and it's being completely ignored. Um, I literally, we literally bought a cup business, like out of all things in the world, a cup totally overlooked, totally right. overlooked. We picked it up for a couple hundred thousand dollars within six months. Last month, we netted over $85,000 on it in six months. And, it, um, we are dropping all these new products, and everything, but it was just an overlooked market that had high demand. It was only growing and the method to de- deploy those was perfect. Um, and we're like, Hey, there's, there's a value here. Right. Um, and it's overlooked. And so don't worry about going, you know, the the market, don't worry about whether it's going to explode or not. And I I see a lot of people, a lot of you guys that I, I have the conversation, this just keeps coming back down. The market needs to be stable. There needs to be some kind of future. Then the deal needs to be make, make sense. There needs to be upside potential, and you need to have a clear runway to get to the valuation or the goal, right? And when you buy deals, deals need to be good today and amazing tomorrow, or amazing today and amazing tomorrow. I, I don't buy deals that aren't good deals, but I'm like, oh, we'll make it into a good deal, right? Now, they just need to be a good deal when you buy it. And then when you make it, it needs to be amazing. This is my margin of safety, as Warren Buffett calls it, right? This is my ability to protect myself from all the things that I don't know and my own stupidity, um, which is important. And I, the fact that you realize that you're an idiot is extremely important. And it, <laughs> the title of the podcast yeah. right there. That's right. Realize, realize you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> um, because people that don't concern me. It's very concerning um, because well, you end up losing. You end up losing, hundred percent, exactly. And you're being you're taking risks because you don't know what you don't know. And there's always factors that you can never understand that you can never anticipate. This was the problem with certain markets that I was going into, and people were building like crazy. And they're like, "Listen, it doesn't matter because at this growth rate, you know, it's all going to fill up." And I'm like, well, "What happens if it stops?" And like, oh, it's not going to stop, you know, right? <laughs> Six months later, COVID hits, and now we have these facilities in certain markets that are sitting at 30% full, and they've been sitting that way for a few years. Meanwhile, all the other facilities and great markets were raising rates. We're going up. I mean, we yeah. literally are raising rates. We, we received a 10% increase this month on just one of our facility and gross revenues. And so it, it's – yet you have other markets – that, you know, and the the REITs reported, oh man, we're getting slammed because of certain markets we're in and everything. It, don't make it that complicated, people. You're not perfect. Don't expect a market to make you, right? That's gambling. And that's what a lot of these people were doing. If you can avoid a lot of these potholes, I like to say, I would rather get into a market that 
not only do I not have to be perfect, I can be an idiot and it'll still work out. Then be perfect and get into a market that if it doesn't work out, I'm in trouble. Okay. So you need to go into these markets knowing it's a good deal and I think I can make it great. But if it doesn't really happen, I can still sell it. It can still cash flow. I'll still make money. It's it's okay, right? Um, but to go into a market where you think I can outcompete or I can solve market issues, which seems fundamental, but people do it like crazy. Um, you can do that. Out of, out of the entire self-storage market in the United States, I'd say 15%, maybe 20% I'd avoid. Other than that, all of it's good. Um most of that though is, is overlooked. So I, you know, I, I don't mean to beat this horse horse to death, but I'm going to beat it to death because it's so important. Um, this, the, my failures in self-storage have been because of markets and my failures are small. It was my first deal. So it was a little one that I, I, it, we sold it for less money than we bought it for. But after the cash flow and debt, we actually netted money over the, two, three years that we'd had it. But so it's not like it was a huge loss, anything else like that. But it was obvious this isn't going anywhere. And that's another thing. If your market's decelerating, don't sit around and wait for it to turn around. That's not happening. Drop it. Get out of it. Move on. Um, and then change, get better, go to a better market. That's what we did. And immediately it was upside and we've prevented any major losses, any major problems. We've never had any issues or anything ever. Um, and so focusing on that alone sets you up and, uh, that can cure a lot of problems. I, I, I needed to learn the self-storage. I needed to be able to make mistakes. Don't go into markets. You can't make mistakes. Yeah. Well, and that's such a good point to bring up, uh, because so many of us, our, our ego gets in the way a lot of times. Um, what well, is it? Uh, Ryan holiday has that book. Yeah. Ego is the enemy, right? Yes. Um, amazing book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, fantastic. Uh, but so many of us have this idea that whether it's business or investing, that we're going to go somewhere and that we're going to make something work. Just kind of like what you said, AJ. And it's, and we can't make anything work. Just ride the waves, man. Like <laughs> exactly. exactly. You can't fight them. Yeah. You can't fight them. Um, and don't try to. And, you know, it's important to take in and understand this upside. So although self-storage hyper-local, understand the economics of the area, understand the employment situation, um, you need a margin of safety in that you need to diversify risk of tenant base. So where their income's coming from, you don't want to be on a one-trick pony as in that that business or that mine or that logging mill is the only thing in town. And if it goes under, everyone loses their job. That's way too much risk. Avoid areas like that. Um, and look at the economics of the area, right? Is this having a decelerating in income in net growth, um, and population dynamics is crime rising, or is this an area that's been a good area and it's, Maybe very sleepy, but it's growing, right? If they have a net growth and there's income growth and um, you don't have high crime rates, well, that's generally speaking, you could say, look, I can see these trends and these long terms and you could take it back. And I know that in the future, it'll be, you know, it'll still be a good place to do business, right? Um, and that gives you the ability then to work with what you've got. That uh, gives you the ability to tar target good customers, get rid of bad ones. That gives you the ability to uh, manage revenues, offer products, services, expand your 
business. Operate it like a business. Um, so focus on those things and then go hyper local. Um, that three, five mile radius guys, you, you, you nail it. You got to nail it. Um, that is probably the largest differentiator of storage facilities that knock it out of the park and don't. Um, one of the biggest factors of this, we, we, we've had a bunch of episodes and we're going to have more on supply and demand because this is what we're talking about. All this leads understanding a market is simply trying to understand demand. You can go back, listen to some of the other ones. We go deeper in analysis and, and how you look at demand. We've dedicated an entire podcast to it. Um, but when uh, you're looking at that in that three mile radius, right? Um, when you're looking at the five mile radius, you need to also look at future demand. So what I mean by that is you need to understand areas where self storage has been approved or could be approved. Um, you need to understand what's coming in the pipe that will change the market dynamics and the supply demand for that market. And that is more important the smaller you go. The smaller the market, the more affected those dynamics will be. So anyways, I, I, I don't want to beat it anymore. But no, I love it, man. It's important. Yeah. Well, and two, touching on all that, it sounds like a lot, like identifying all of these factors that that show growth, that show a good market, that show good possibilities and potential acquisitions for you and your investing. Um, but uh, I wanted to share with them the three pillars that we've got, the networking, the brokers, and the outreach. So yes. networking, brokers, outreach, those are the three pillars that we utilize to identify these markets. And that's all you have to do. Yes. Outreach. You're, you're contacting facilities, you're speaking to owners, you're verifying that supply demand. Brokers, obviously, you can get all the you know, demographic information, employment information, everything that you're going to need um, from those areas. You can outsource a lot of this stuff to those individuals uh, that, to where you're not even having to do it. Um, and again, network, I mean, just getting out, going to functions, you know, listening to podcasts, connecting with people like a lot of you have with, with us here uh, at Self-Storage Income, uh, reaching out to AJ, uh, all that kind of stuff, That that's all going to create deal flow that's going to help you identify those markets, those opportunities, uh, so you can execute on them. I, I, yeah, I, I literally couldn't say it better. Um, there are tools out there, but really you need to get to know the market, the people you need to understand because there's things that you don't know what you need to know and you need to pull good resources. And, and hopefully that this podcast is helping you guys understand and do that. That's the point. That's what we're trying to do. Um, with that, once again, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for ever, all our listeners, for your guys' amazing reviews. Um, it, it, I think we had one person give us a one-star review on the book and a one-star review on oh the podcast. I don't know what that guy's all about. <laughs> so you know what? If you're out there and you didn't leave a review, call us up. Tell us what's yeah, going on. Let but us know. Other than that, all the hundreds of people that have given us five-star reviews and everything, thank you. <laughs> you guys are awesome. That one guy, yeah, well, forget you. I'm not competitive <laughs> at all. Uh, so thanks, everybody. We do appreciate it. We appreciate your support, and I hope this uh, podcast was helpful. Yep, thanks so much, guys.